tell you what you're listening to. Welcome to Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio with Father Richard Simon. I'm here to answer your questions. Have a question? Give us a call. 1-888-914-9149. That's any question you may have about the Lord, the faith, and the church. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is, in fact, a radio show called Father Simon Says on Relevant Radio. Hello, I'm, once again, I'm caught between computers. Ooh. You know... Is that a metaphor for the modern world? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. <laughs> that was live voice in my head, wasn't it? It was live, yes. It was live, yes. A metaphor for the modern world. Well, no, and now it's not doing anything. I think it's time to pray. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> computers why it's a sincere prayer a cry from the heart in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit come holy spirit fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the light of your the fire of your love let's start again it's going to be one of those days isn't it come holy spirit fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love send forth your spirit they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth Lord, you taught the hearts of the nations by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And who's that young fellow who's they're talking about as patron saint for computers? Blessed Carlo Acutis. Blessed Carlo Acutis. Acutis, yes. Blessed Carlo Acutis, pray for us. You know I need it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, there's still one computer that hasn't abandoned me, so let's go to the, the big book. The letter to the Hebrews is well-named. Um, uh, there were problems with Jesus being the Messiah, as far as Jews were concerned, at the time of Christ, and still... I mean, there were messianic expectations, and um, there were just problems. This idea of a dying, rising, human and divine, priest-king messiah just made no sense to them. They didn't see it in Torah. And if you are having a discussion with a Jew, and you talk about, well, in the Bible it says, you quote Isaiah, you quote Jeremiah, well, that's nice. But to win the argument, you have to quote uh, um, Torah, the first five books of the Bible. That's it. Uh, that's the only part of the Bible which is absolutely infallible as far as Orthodox Jews are concerned today. It is unerring and unchanging. The other books are, well, they are, uh, what would you call them? They're commentary. That's that's what Rabbi Lefkowitz told me. <coughs> so, 
the letter to the Hebrews tries to prove that Jesus fulfills the messianic requirements, that Jesus is the Messiah using um, uh, just the, uh, um, uh, the, the, the Torah. Uh, for instance, there's no mention of life after death or the resurrection in the first five books of the Bible. So Sadducees only, only reverence the first five books of the Bible. Well, the author of the letter to the Hebrews, letter to the Hebrews goes on to talk about um, um, uh, the, the, um, uh, um, the fact that Abraham believed he would receive Isaac back, even if he had to kill him, that he would receive him back by resurrection. And what he's doing, in, in a, he doesn't mention it in the letter to the Hebrews, but he's clearly referring to the uh, statement that Abraham made to the serving men, stay here with the, with the animals, the boy and I will return. In other words, if Abraham believed in the resurrection, it's in the Torah. Uh, priest King Messiah, priests came from the tribe of Levi, kings came from the tribe of Judah. There was a separation of powers. Uh, the kings could not arrogate to themselves the, the perks of the priesthood, and uh, uh, the, the priests were not kings. So... In the ancient world, kings invariably <laughs> were priests, and <laughs> actually, they might as well have been gods. So, there you go. Uh, by talking about the priesthood of Melchizedek, the author of the letter to the Hebrews points out that there is a superior priesthood to the priesthood of, uh, of Levi uh, and, and Aaron, that... Abraham is ministered to by Melchizedek. Thus, the priesthood of Melchizedek is superior to the um, uh, um, uh, is superior to the priesthood of of Levi because the superior ministers to the inferior. So that's what's going on here. This is a very I call this proto-Talmudic reasoning. Rabbi Lefkowitz would say, "Why are you calling it proto-Talmudic? Just call it Talmudic." Uh, the word Talmud means the study, and a Talmud is a disciple. And so the careful study of every word of the Torah is the heart of, uh, of, of this, this approach to things. Now, that all sounds interesting, but we're going to see that it has a lot of impact on the gospel reading today. So um, this idea of comparing Jesus to the angels, that, that's the, the, the weak part in my argument. Um, that that it, this idea of a divine Messiah is very hard to prove from the uh, from the Torah, but we'll we'll talk about that later. So uh, this also this idea there's there's something in this in this text which is very very upsetting um, to people because it talks about uh, um, well for it was fitting that he for whom and through whom all things exist in bringing many children to glory should make the leader to their salvation perfect through suffering. Wasn't Jesus perfect already? Why did he have to be perfected through suffering? Well, here we go. Let's, uh, let's, let's look it up. All right. The word perfect really means in, in Hebrew or rather in Greek. Let me, let me, let me find the Greek word here. The Greek word is, um, it has to do with, with the, the uh, um, the end goal. 
It's here, uh, the verb is to perfect, teleosai. So what the text is really saying is that, that uh, not make perfect, but to perfect him through suffering. And you look at the word, in, even in Latin, perfect, it means to thoroughly make, to finish a process. And that's really what it means in Greek. The word in Greek, teleosai, has to do with, with finishing something. To go the distance, uh, telos, means uh, uh, um, uh, far away in Greek. Uh, uh, the, uh, telescope, that means looking into the distance. Uh, telephone, speaking into the distance. So, so this idea of perfection, we think of perfection as being without moral failure. And that's not at all what, what, what it means. Uh, the, the, uh, the idea of perfection has to do with uh, um, finishing uh, the reality which is begun. So this, this text is not saying that Jesus was imperfect. He's saying that he had a goal to achieve, a, a destiny to arrive at. And that's what's that's what's the big deal here. So um, at any rate, so if that verse troubles you, I hope it doesn't now. Well, let's go to the gospel, because this is a little bit more uh, more, well, concrete. Jesus came to Capernaum with his followers. Fascinating thing. You, look it up, you can look it up. There is a site in Capernaum, which most scholars think was the house of St. Peter. Uh, and it was transformed into a church, a very important church in the early days of Christianity. And uh, it's where Jesus stayed. Uh, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, I had the privilege of saying mass in the chapel that's built over it, which is a very strange looking church, but a very modern church. But the neat thing about it is that it has a glass floor in the middle. You don't walk on the glass floor. But as you're saying mass, you're looking down from the altar into what may in fact be one of the very earliest churches in the history of Christianity. So it, it's kind of neat. Well, that's Capernaum. Jesus came to Capernaum with his followers. And uh, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit. He said, he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him, said, quiet, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him. A loud cry came out of him. They were all amazed and asked, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. All right, what's going on here? Authority. Back to this idea of Talmud. If you ever read Talmud, it doesn't make sense to us at all, to, to non-Jewish people. It begins with a discussion of when should the, the Shema Israel, the Hero Israel prayer be, be said uh, in the temple. This isn't, this is, what? You're just jumping into the middle of this discussion, and it quotes this rabbi, it quotes that rabbi. That is the sort of approach. Well, Rabbi Shmuel said this, and Rabbi Levi said that, and, uh, you know, we, let's, let's, let's look at the experts. Jesus didn't do that. You have heard it said that such as, but what I say to you, he taught with authority. And this was, this was not a very Jewish way of doing things. You had to rely on the tradition. Well, he didn't do that. But even more significantly, he cast out demons with authority. 
Uh, every rabbi at the time of Christ, and I think Sephardic rabbis are still expected to do this, um, they were exorcists. Uh, we see in the Acts of the Apostles, the sons of Sceva, uh, traveling about as exorcists. Exorcism was very important in the ancient world, very big business, because they really believed that everything that happened, disease, everything, was was from the devil. And, well, in a way, all the bad stuff is, but <laughs> mediated quite quite usually through through non-supernatural means. But another another story for another day. However, this um, this idea of of the the traveling exorcist this was big business, and uh, for instance, they believed there was something called a mandrake root. If you found a mandrake root, it was very very useful in exorcisms and casting out demons. But the problem is, if you pulled it out of the ground, you would drop dead. So what they would do is they would tie it to to the tie the mandrake root with a rope to the collar of a dog, and then they would whip the dog. And as the dog ran off, pulling the mandrake root behind it, the dog would drop dead. I don't know if that actually ever happened, but that was that was what was said. Poor dog. I mean, uh, I doubt that that ever really happened. But <clears throat> this was the kind of thing they did, the feathered rattles, the jumping about, the screaming. One of the ways that they cast out devils was to to name uh, a bunch of demon names and they would have lists of names even nonsense words when the, when the bible forbids uh adding up words that you might be heard this is probably what it's talking about these incantations and nonsense words um because if you could find the name of a demon larger than the demon infesting your patient that demon would get scared and leave nonsense it's just ridiculous uh and also very superstitious and dangerous at the same time jesus didn't do any of that none of the jumping around none of the feathered rattles none of the mandrake roots none of the incantations he just said get out and (laughs) and the devil did it amazed people he did it with authority and you know uh uh I have seen people involved in what they call deliverance ministries or exorcism, and they are getting all passionate and jumping about. And That's not the way Jesus did it, and that's not the way the church does it, that uh, exorcisms are done with authority, that that, that a real, a full-blown exorcism, uh, anyone can rebuke the devil, and the best way to rebuke the devil is, uh, I personally think, uh, saying the rosary and staying in a state of grace. But, um, you know, we all have, we're all involved in spiritual warfare, whether we realize it or not. But a real full-blown exorcism, you don't do it without the authority of the bishop. It's dangerous to attempt it without the authority of the bishop. And, uh, um, it, it just the, the devil is is a he knows the law very well and uh, he's not going to uh, uh, he's not going to let us uh, fool with it. But okay, moving along. So this is the idea that Jesus <clears throat> spoke as one having authority. Now the, the word authority in in English is of course from a Latin word autoritas. And it means that that one is the author of these things. That's what that's what authority is. Um, sometimes we confuse it with power, but power has to do, at least in Greek, with ability. Authority is quite different. Um, authority means you're delegated. And I, I talked to you a great deal about the word apostle. It means an authoritative uh, uh, delegate, not just a delegate, but 
not just a missionary, but a missionary who comes with with uh, with authority. He's been sent by someone who had the right to send him. And the word in Greek is a little different than 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 Latin. In the Latin Latin, which is where we get our word, authority is is. Um, uh, uh, one who is the author, the initiator of something, the auctor. Uh, but in Greek, it, it really means someone who is is in front, someone who has on whom power has been conferred, and it, it quite literally means to be out front. So uh, this idea is kind of difficult for us Americans who are the first revolutionary republic the idea that someone can be delegated by someone who has the right to delegate him we don't necessarily like that aren't we all equal yes we are all equal we're children of God we're all sinners saved by grace but God chooses some of us to to stand in front uh, and we don't like that idea but Nonetheless, it is the truth. And if we do not respect genuine authority, um, then people will take that authority for themselves illegitimately. Uh, I think it's very important that, that we understand that the rule of law is, is at the heart of not only our own republic, but pretty much everything worth having. At any rate, I just am blathering here, but <laughs> blather, it's what I do. All right, let us go to a break, and uh, we will come back with letters, and uh, you can call in at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. Our sponsor, the University of Dallas, provides a rigorous liberal arts education that forms the whole person for wisdom, truth, and virtue. Learn more about The Catholic University for independent thinkers at relevantradio.com forward slash U Dallas. You've got to accentuate the positive feeling, mind it to negative, latch on. To the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. In-Between. You got to spread joy up to uh, the maximum, bring gloom. The voice in my head is playing this to calm me down. <laughs> Thank you. Is it working? It's working, yes. I'm much calmer. In fact, is there, my, my computer says it's working on up to... You know... I miss goose quill pens and carrier pigeons. You know, if the pigeons were truculent, you could always eat them. All right, oh, moving on. $5,000 for a computer, and it can't handle its simple assignment. Well, I don't know if this costs $5,000. I doubt that. But, all right, no, it's me that can't handle the simple assignment. All right, let's go to letters. All right, I have some letters here. Ah, this is a, a, a good question. Where is the question here? Ah. Could you explain the Come Holy Spirit prayer? I teach eighth grade confirmation and would love an explanation of the prayer. For example, we shall be created. Uh, the, the, um, uh, let me, oh, I should have pulled that up. We shall be created. The Holy Spirit prayer, first of all, the idea of the Holy Spirit being a person, uh, that uh, we like to think of the Father and the Son no problem, but the Holy Spirit, it, what? 
do we worship a, a dove? You know, the Holy Ghost. What, what's all this about? Uh, that that um, no, the Holy Spirit is a person. I remember hearing a story about um, a fellow who, um, uh, a Korean Pentecostal minister, um, that uh, he he started a church in one of the worst areas of Seoul, Korea, and it flourished. And it kind of got to the maximum for those mega church things. And a couple thousand people in the congregation wouldn't grow. And he he uh, um, was vexed by this. And he said to the Lord, he was kneeling in his church one night and praying. And he said, uh, uh, Lord, why, why, why can't, well, what happened was he was praying and as often happens with me, he fell asleep. I call that the prayer of St. Peter. But, um, and he had a dream. And in this dream, he was taken up to the throne of the Father. And there was, was God the Father seated. And this minister said to him, why can't I grow my congregation? I have, I have the Holy, I, 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 uh, I'm saved. I, I've given my life to Jesus. I've experienced the Holy Spirit. And he said, the father rose up from the throne and took him by the collar and shook him and said, my Holy Spirit is not an experience. My Holy Spirit is a person. Treat him like one. And he woke up and then he began to treat the Holy Spirit like a person. And the church grew incredibly. We don't treat the Holy Spirit like a person. What is a person? The word person is a Latin word, personare, means to make a noise through a mask. In the ancient world, there were these uh, uh, dramatic masks of the heroes of Greek literature and all that, you know, that that, that um, you, uh, you could be an actor if, if you're the ugliest person in the world. If you had a beautiful body and a beautiful voice, you were golden because your face was covered with a mask. In the mask was a, 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 a megaphone. Uh, it was a, a, a device that helped you project up into the cheap seats. Um, and, and uh, you know, everybody could identify, oh, that's that's Zeus or Jupiter. That's the goddess Hera. That's the goddess Aphrodite. In the Greco-Roman theater, these were stock masks. But the important thing was you made a sound through them. And a person is someone who has a voice. Uh, that that you can have a conversation with a person. Uh, that that these are not cosmic forces; these are persons: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three voices in one divine being. Three persons. Of course, it's more than just a voice; it's a full person. So it's hard for us to 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 lay hold of that. But uh, you know, the, the, this prayer uh, um, uh, to the Holy Spirit, I think is very important because you're saying you to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, I I, I, um, uh, I pointed out before that uh, in the Old Mass, if you look at Mass, the New Mass, the Old Mass, 95%, at least 95% of the prayers are addressed to the Father. Very interesting. When you are reading along with the Mass, praying along with the Mass, look at what's being said. It's it, The you is invariably addressed to the Father. Even in the consecration, we're speaking to the Father, reminding him what the Son did when he said you to his disciples. The congregation 
is rarely spoken to, but on rare occasion in the Mass, the congregation is spoken to. The you is invariably the Father, except for some prayers around communion, like the Lamb of God, the preparatory prayers for the priest. Those are addressed to Christ. And there was one prayer in the Old Mass, in the Offertory, addressed to the Holy Spirit. Veni Sanctificator, Omnipotens Eterna Deus. Come, sanctifier, sanctifier, Almighty and Eternal God. That was the only prayer. What about the Lord? No, that's not addressed to the Holy Spirit, I don't believe. In the Mass, I don't think it invalidates the Mass, but I think liturgists should look at this. There is no place in the Novus Ordo where we address the Holy Spirit as a person, where we say you to the Holy Spirit. And I think uh, uh, that is a very, very important um, reality. So we need to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I, I shared with you, the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit is the first person you meet in, in, when you when you encounter God, because you wouldn't be able to, to experience and say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know, you go into a church and it feels like God is right there. That's, I believe, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we forget that. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to Christ as a living, living person. So I think that, that that's the most important thing to know about the prayer of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. We're speaking to the Holy Spirit. And, and then, of course, we have that wonderful uh, verse, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. We're asking the Holy Spirit to do something. Uh, and then we quote Psalm 104, verse 30. Uh, when you send your spirit, <clears throat> they are created, and you, will, and you renew the face of the earth. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. The rabbis have a belief that God did not simply create the earth and leave it alone. He sustains it in existence by his word. In other words, if God stops speaking your name, your real name, the name that's known to the Father in heaven, if he stops speaking your name, you would cease existing. The, 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 the rabbinic belief is God speaks the table I'm sitting at into existence. So when you send your spirit, they are created. The, think of this. How do you talk? In order to talk, you have to have breath. And that's what spirit means. So God is breathing life into the universe. And we're saying, send forth your spirit. Keep, keep giving us life. Because as Psalm 104, verse 29 says, when you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. When you send your breath, they are created. The constant renewal of creation uh, um, uh, this is such a profound and beautiful thing. So uh, um, uh, I, I, I hope that helps uh, and explains a little bit of, of what we're talking about in this. Let me go back to the letter. Uh, I've got the letter somewhere. Okay, no, that's not the letter. Here it is. Um, so, Shelley, I hope that helps a little um, uh, I guess I just want to say we don't we don't treat the Holy Spirit like a person, and uh, um, 
I think I think many of the troubles in the church. You know, yesterday I, I went on a bit of a tirade, um, and you know I, I hope I, I I was polite in it. And and uh, again, take what I say with a grain of salt. But I, I think that the diocesan priesthood really thank you very much for the salt shaker. Uh, the diocesan priesthood really really needs to be renewed. Um, and I mentioned, uh, I, I don't think I finished the thought, I mentioned uh, my classmate, may he rest in peace, Father John Klein, a great, great man. Um, he was of the theory that confession was the prime work of the, of the presbyter, of the priest. That the only reason I say Mass, that I'm the celebrant, the main celebrant of a Mass, is because the bishop couldn't be there. And he delegated me as his vicar to say it. You know, that the pastor is the vicar, the substitute for the bishop in his parish or where he has been delegated. So the, 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 the offering of the holy liturgy is primarily the work of the bishop. And, of course, priests uh, participate in that. Uh, um, I don't mean to, to lessen the responsibility and the great privilege that priests have saying the Mass. However, that said... The biblical, the only biblical mention of a presbyter in a sacrament is in the anointing of the sick and the confession of sins in the letter of St. James. Confess your sins to one another uh, that you might be healed. If anyone is sick, let him call for the elders, the presbyters, the priests of the church. And uh, um, uh, if they committed any sins, they will be forgiven them. So this idea of confession is, is a primary responsibility. And it's just that we... We aren't really, I guess, educated to think that. Uh, We had what I call, what we call the confession practicum, a very brief course on how to hear confessions. And, uh, you know, confessions almost died out when I was a young priest, but they have made quite a comeback. People, I think it's because sin has made quite a comeback. But the person who wrote that letter yesterday, I, I, I want to agree with you, but before we can get a, the right balance without burning out the clergy. I mentioned how so many young priests I know are, are young priests are at the edge of exhaustion. Uh, there's no less demand. In fact, the demand is much greater. Uh, and there are fewer priests. Uh, and I mentioned how we can't cancel masses because people get upset and offended. And I think we really need to look at the state of the church uh, in the parish, at the grassroots. So again, I say that. And, you know, people are trying their very level best, but I think we need to almost take a time out, not, of course, from the sacraments. Uh, I was mentioning this to my classmate, Father Brank, said, you mean do nothing, you mean not mass or anything? Oh, of course, the sacraments have to go on, but but the, the constant, uh, oh, the constant bureaucratization, the, the constant, uh, the pressures of the modern world, uh, really do force us into a kind of bureaucratization of the faith. I mean, when I was a kid, there were three or four people working at the chancery office was no more than 20 people. Now it is hundreds and hundreds of people because of all of the legal and, and uh, medical and uh, insurance concerns that we have. Uh, things are, things need, we really need to stop and say, Lord, what do you want? Um, and this brings me back to this definition of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, we, we need to have a long, long conversation with the third person of the Trinity about his plans for us and for the future of this organization. Um, I don't know. Let me move on. I, I you know, I, I, I know there are plenty of lines open at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You know, I can honestly say this. Uh, there are many things in my life I regret, many mistakes, many sins, many stupidities, but I have never once regretted being ordained a priest. It is such a privilege to, to climb the steps of, of Calvary with Christ every morning as I go to the altar. I've never once regretted it. However, that said, um, and I encourage you, as I said yesterday, if you are hearing the calling as a young man uh, to the priesthood, as a young woman to the religious life, listen to that calling and discern it and follow it to the best of your ability. Uh, God will give you the grace in these difficult times to do to do what he wants you to do. Uh, so I, 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 that includes the diocesan priesthood. But I really think we need to pray and to consider what is the role of the diocesan priest? What is the role of the parish? Um, and I maintain the parish has been the vehicle of the faith for almost 2,000 years. And to monkey about with it without real prayer and real consideration, we are asking for trouble. But that's, that's just me. I'll quit grinding that axe. It's as ground as it needs to be. All right, let's move on. Question from a listener. Oh, <laughs> I've been trying to find out what Mount Moriah means, John from Sacramento, and I have been unable to do so. I will keep looking. All right, let's go to a letter here. This is from uh, an anonymous person. There is a woman at our parish who often wears a T-shirt that says, Protect Trans Kids to Mass and to Parish Functions. From seeing this family at Mass over the years, it's apparent that one of their teenagers is pretending to change genders. I'm surprised that no one has asked her not to wear this shirt in our, pass, in our parish. Should I bring it up to her, even though I don't know her well? Should I speak to our pastor first? No, you don't speak to the pastor first. Um, the Bible says, you know, the big book on the coffee table, the Bible says, if your brother offends you, and for brother, you can also read sister, if your brother offends you, go to him. Is this person your sister? Have you ever spoken to her before? Get to know her. Before you can confront her, get to know her. I think that's Bible. You know, that, that, that um, again, with the, oh, I was going to not talk about it, but the parish is seen by God as is the church. It's a family. And if you have a family member who's wounded, before you read them the riot act, understand them. Get to know them. Uh, you're not going to change your mind by, by confronting her. You have the right and the duty to confront a brother who is in sin. However, do you, do you know what this woman is going through? Why she's doing this? You know, I don't want to sound liberal. Heaven forbid. But we have to begin to look at the parish as a family, and it begins in this sort of thing, that when someone is, is, is uh, 
acting out in, in, a, in a way or, or, or wearing this, this, per, this woman's wearing her heart on her sleeve, well, on her shirt. And, you know, get to know her before you confront her and discover why she's wearing that shirt. And don't, don't get angry with her. Just get to know her and then see where it leads. You know, the, 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 the Lord in that passage about confrontation says, if, if they repent, you have won a brother. You want to win her as your sister, not read her the riot act and get rid of that foul shirt from parish meetings. You know, uh, um, I think once you've gotten to know her, you say, I see you always wear that shirt. I'm curious about it. Well, I believe this and this and this and this. Why do you think that? What do you mean, why do I think that? You know, before we confront someone about, you shouldn't think that, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't. Why do you, th why do you think that? You know, I know why I think what I think. And why do you think that, that uh, uh, transgenderism is wrong? I know why I think it's wrong. It is perfectly obvious to me that sex is about reproduction and not simply about personal identity. Um, it's the, the way it works. I think that's one reason. There are about 20 good reasons that we can, we can talk about. But then there are people who disagree with me. I would like to know why they disagree with me. Again, I, I, I think that, that this has to do with our failure to see the church and the parish as a family. It's a place where we have meetings about projects to get stuff done. That's not what families do. Families live with each other. What well, we saw that in, was it in uh, uh, Sunday's gospel? When the disciples came and said, Rabbi, where do you live? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, and Jesus said, come and see. The church is about living with God and living with one another. It's about abiding together spending spending real time with a real family and we are so far from that and i think that until we see the church as god sees her um, we won't make progress so don't don't get this woman kicked out of stuff get to know her i again i i think we need to change the whole way we look at the church all right we're going to go to a break we'll be right back Oh, I just, you know, I believe with all my heart and soul that the Catholic Church is the church founded by Jesus through the ministry of the apostles. And I really, really believe in, in the principle of hierarchy. And hierarchy, like I tell you all the time, is, well, let's go to the word of the day. I just changed my mind. Is that what we're on now, word of the day? Give me a word. Any word, and I show you how the root of that word is Greek. Well, that's certainly true in this word of the day. I was going to do repent, but I changed my mind. I just want to talk about hierarchy again. 
because it's a very important idea. And when we hear hierarchy, even people are in the hierarchy, we hear chain of command. That's what we hear. That's not what hierarchy means. The hieros means sacred and arche means leadership in Greek, one of its thousand meanings. And a hierarch has exousia, has this, he's placed out in front. You know, we're in a spiritual battle. We're, we're involved in spiritual warfare. And authority means we've shoved someone to the front of the crowd. You, you go fight the devil for us. That's exousia. You are in the front of the battle. You are, you are the one who has been chosen to stand forward. That's what the Greek word means. Ex is out front and usia is being. <sighs> hierarchy is sacred leadership. As far as I know, God has only created two hierarchies. He respects worldly hierarchy. St. Paul tells us we should pray for the king or whoever's in place of the king. Um, but the two hierarchies God has created are mom and dad. That's a sacred leadership established by God at the beginning of the creation. And the other one is established at the beginning of the new creation. You know, this idea of, uh, um, I was talking about the prayer to the Holy Spirit. God creates all things by his word and sustains them in being. That's what I believe it refers to. And Jesus said to the disciples, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he created them by the breath of his mouth to be the second hierarchy, the second sacred leadership. And the leadership that that hierarchy has been, I think, co-opted in many ways by the world, certainly was co-opted by the medieval uh, world. And, uh, you know, it was the sons of the nobility who who became uh, bishops of the church, and they really took their role as as nobility seriously, but it's not a noble position in that sense. It's not an aristocratic position, even though we, we hedge it about with things aristocratic. That's beginning to change. It's the, the word, the word papas originally referred to the bishop. The bishop was the father of the family. And that's the idea. That, that um, you know, Francis George, I just marveled at him because he really took that seriously. There were clergymen I, whom I knew and were friends of mine who just vexed him. And people say, why don't you just come down on him like ugly on an ape? Because Francis George worried about their souls and their priesthood and the, 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 the danger of schism. Uh, he had this huge diocese. And he, he really worried about it as a father worries about a family. You know, he would get into big arguments with the, with the clergy in a way that a father gets into an argument with one of his sons. Um, in the end, he said, I'm in charge. You'll do what I tell you to do. And he, he was right. But he never did it in a way that, at least in my experience, that was arbitrary. He, he would give you the dignity of arguing with you in a loving way. And, you know, a bishop is meant to be a father to his family, especially a father to his clergy. And, and um, you know, that, that, that um, uh, I think that in the reconsideration of the church that we need to understand that, that hierarchy 
has to do not with armies and chains of command. Hierarchy has to do primarily with a family. The first hierarchy is mom and dad. The second hierarchy, imitating mom and dad, is the, the, the paternal role of the bishop and the maternal role of the church in general. All right, let's go to phones. The phone is ringing. Let us go to Paul from Newport Beach, California. Are you with us, Paul? What can I do for you? Yes, Father. I just have a quick question. At one point, at what point do you stop giving money to priests uh, if you if you haven't heard like thank you or anything like that? Some some priests are very grateful, and some aren't, and some are order priests, some are diocesan. But at what point and I can hang up for the answer? But what, what point do you just say, well, I'm not going to give to them anymore? You know, without I no in a personal that. gift or a gift to the church. Uh, just a just cash gift to Father, you know, Fred or whatever, right? Yeah, Father, that go buy yourself a cup of coffee, kind of thing. You know, yeah. as long I would say, as long as you consider yourself in relation to them. Uh, um, oh, okay. You know, if 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 the you know that that um, uh, golly, uh, I would I would say if the priest is old and retired, of course, I'm partial to that because the retirement plans for priests are pretty meager in most places, as far right. as I know. Um, Right. And but I think you have to always keep in mind that you're giving to to the Lord, that that if if you know this guy is is troubled and overwhelmed, uh, myself I'm still writing my Christmas cards and I'm retired. People are so kind; they send so many so many cards and and letters and phone calls and all that. But uh, the uh, the voice in my head just said his is in the mail. <laughs> but uh, the the you know so I would try with with uh, you know if, if there's a priest with whom you are in relationship or were in good relationship with and you haven't heard from them, give them a phone call and say, Father, I haven't heard from you a while in a while. Are you all right? And if they don't respond to that, then I would say, Well, then maybe. Maybe that priest no longer considers himself in that relationship. Uh, you know, it used to be when the woolly mammoth roamed and I was young that a priest died in his rectory. It was expected a priest would die in his rectory. Now we are paid to love you for periods of six years at a crack. Uh, and uh, I, I think that that is also detrimental to uh, to the ministry of the church. So uh, it's, it's a very strange time. Uh, in the life of the church. But that's what I would do. I would try to reach out to him by telephone. Say, Father, I haven't heard from you in a while. Are you all right? Does that make sense? Sure does. There you go. Then if he doesn't respond, won't pick up the phone, then, you know, I guess I guess I'm not in the relationship I thought I was in with Father. Uh, now, if you're giving to the church, you know, to, to this fund, that fund, unless the money is being ill-used, uh, remember, you're giving to the Lord. Uh, and right. And... Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know that that uh, people do expect to be thanked, and the Bible says what we're supposed to say is, "I'm just a useless servant." But the relationship with the priest, I think, is important. So I hope that helps a little. It does, Father. All right. Well, God bless, and thanks for your generosity. God bless you. All right. Thank you for Let's all you go. do. God bless you. Hey, I'm having fun. Let's go to Joanne in in uh, uh, Cape uh, Cape Coral, Cape Coral, Florida, where it's warm. Joanne, what can I do for you? Hi, Father. Uh, I have a question. My husband and I are scheduled to go on a transatlantic cruise for 15 days, and one of the Ooh. Sundays we're going to be in port so I can go to Mass, so we could go yeah. to Mass. But the other Sunday, it's definitely scheduled both Saturday and Sunday we're at sea. And I didn't know if that was okay to, to do a vacation like that. 
you know, travel, you know, travel uh, does lessen the the uh, the obligation. So, um, because you're traveling, the obligation isn't as sincere. What I would do, or isn't as serious. What I would do is I would spend some time, you and your husband, uh, doing the readings and saying the rosary on that Sunday where you are unable to go to mass. It isn't a matter that you don't want to go to mass; it's that you're unable. Right. Um, okay. So I would I would say uh, that that transatlantic travel vitiates the, the the obligation. So so there you go. I hope that helps. Well, that'll make my husband happy, Father. Good, good. Yeah. Oh, my father, he would call ahead to make sure that there was a mass wherever we were going. Of course, my father never never stepped foot in an airplane. He remembered the Wright brothers going belly up. And, and uh, <laughs> seriously, and uh, my father on a transatlantic cruise. Boy, I would have liked to have seen that. You know, he liked his feet on terra firma. So, and he liked a mass right where he knew it was. But uh, yeah, that that travel travel does uh, mitigate the, the obligation. So I hope that helps. All right. All right. It does, Father. Thank you. God, God bless. bless. Good to talk to you, Joanne. Bye. Let us go now to Bye-bye. Patrick, uh, who's in Santa Fe, New Mexico. A nice town. I like Santa Fe. Uh, Patrick, what can I do for you? Well, come visit any time you want. Uh, i got oh, a it's casita beautiful. for Beautiful. Up in the high country. Okay. Oh, the sky. Big sky. Oh, yeah. great. But go on. <laughs> hey, my, uh, my friend asked me for some advice. He's Armenian. He belongs to an Armenian church. I don't know whether it's the Armenian Catholic Church or Armenian National Church. Sometimes he's when he's in Italy, he told me that he would go to church at a uh, Catholic church and receive communion. He said, mm-hmm. what do I think about that? And um, mm. so I don't know which of those two churches he's in. Oh, oh, dear. What, what might I say to him or where can I look for information? Well, uh, let me see. I'm looking away here. Uh, the us going to... Uh, uh, Holy Communion in Orthodox Church is um, is really quite forbidden because uh, it it they have very strict fasting rules and they're not where we are with this. We are a little more flexible about this. Uh, let's see here. Uh, the the uh, Catechism does say that there's an exception for for. Uh, um, uh, Orthodox people in the Catholic Church, uh, that that uh, usually the answer, uh, uh, well, if there's no possibility that they can receive communion, as I understand it, I'm, I'm frantically looking for something authoritative on the web as we speak, but uh, that, that uh, if there is no possibility that they can go to Holy Communion, then... Uh, um, uh, in their own in their own community then that would be an exception i'm going to have to research this so i will i will try and answer this tomorrow uh, uh, definitively but that's my understanding that may have been redefined and more precisely and i'll look that up but speaking of precise definitions drew is coming up <laughs> 